The scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent, sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean." But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he surely would come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord as God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. The word of the Lord. Among the many things that I wanted to be when I grew, grew up was a magician. I can remember sitting in the floor of the parsonage when I was a little kid. And like good, civilized people, we would eat in the den in front of the TV. And one night we were watching a show, and this man named David Copperfield came on. He was an illusionist. He just looked like a fancy magician to me. He did trick after trick, making small things like doves and rabbits appear and disappear. And he would work his way up to some of the bigger tricks, like making his... His assistants disappear and reappear and cutting them in half. Just really neat illusions. But he just seemed like any old magician to me. There was nothing new. Nothing that really grabbed my attention more than any other magician. But throughout the whole TV show, the broadcasters would keep saying, Stay tuned for David's greatest trick ever. Nobody's ever pulled this off before. He is going to make a helicopter disappear and reappear before your very eyes. Clearly, this was a network ploy to make you keep watching during the commercials, and it worked because we all stared at the TV even through the commercials. 
We watched as more tricks happened, the anticipation building. This was an hour-long program, and for three small boys, an hour seemed like forever. Especially when this guy is going to make a helicopter disappear right in front of us. My brothers and I were all excited to see this happen. We weren't quite sure if he could do it or not. Part of us wanted to see him succeed just so that we could see somebody make a helicopter disappear. But there was a small part of us that wanted the trick to go wrong. We wanted to be able to look at the television and say, I told you so. Who did you think you were thinking you could make a helicopter disappear? Finally, after all of these small tricks and six hours of commercials, the big finale was about to happen. David Copperfield started walking around the helicopter. The sus suspenseful music started to play. His lovely sequin-clad assistant started walking around and doing hand motions towards the helicopter. Then poof, a cloud of smoke, deeper, darker music, and the helicopter was no longer there. The live audience started applauding and cheering. David Copperfield waved to the crowd, took a bow, had a little smile on his face. Well, my youngest brother, Sam, who was almost four at the time, this was not okay with him. You see, he was laying down on the floor, and he threw his fork down at the plate in disgust. And he stood up, threw his hands up in the air, and yelled at the TV. That's the best you can do? At least say abracadabra. What kind of magician are you? <laughs> Sam totally missed it. He was so focused on listening for the right words, the words that a magician is supposed to say, that he completely missed a helicopter disappearing. Somehow the absence of the proper words ruined the act for him. This might sound like just the innocent misunderstanding of a young child, but the reality of it is, we all do this. No matter how experienced in years we become, there are times that we totally miss the big act because we're waiting to hear the right words. This is exactly what we see happening in the scripture this morning from 2 Kings. Naaman is a very powerful man. He's one of the leading men in Aram, the king of Syria's army. Despite all of the power that Naaman had accumulated throughout his years, he still had this nagging issue that he couldn't fix. He had leprosy. In one of his great military conquests, a young girl of Israel was captured, and she became Naaman's wife's servant. Naaman's wife and the girl, who was almost an adult now, spent a lot of time together. They would talk to one another while taking care of the house. And one day, they were just chatting away at nothing, really. And the topic of Naaman's disease came up. And Naaman's wife explained to the girl that they had tried everything that they could possibly think of to fix him. But they just couldn't make the leprosy go away. The Israelite girl said, I know somebody that can cure him. And he can do it quick, too. He handles this stuff all the time. There's a prophet back home. Tell Naaman to go to him. And before you know it, Naaman is on the way to see the king of Israel with the blessing of the king of Aram and many treasures as well. When the king of Israel reads the letter asking him to heal Naaman, the king of Israel is outraged. Israel's king knows that only God has the ability to heal people like this. This is way above his pay grade. Surely Aram doesn't believe that I can fix this man. He must be mocking me. Before things get too out of control, though, word makes it to Elisha that the king of Israel is about to kill Naaman. And he's about to go into battle against Aram, the king of Syria's army. 
So Elisha sends word to the king of Israel to let Naaman, King Aram's most favored high-ranking officer, come to his house to cure him. Naaman arrives at Elisha's door. He knocks. Now this condition is something that Naaman's been battling for years. This condition's caused him a lot of physical and emotional pain. And despite his many achievements, people still don't want to be around him. He wasn't a pretty sight to see. He couldn't blame him. He didn't even want to see himself. But at the end of the day, he was Naaman, military general of the Syrian army. He was important. And he was to be feared and respected. So you can imagine Naaman's surprise when Elisha didn't even come to the door to greet him when he knocked. Instead, Naaman was met by messengers from Elisha. Their message? Go to the Jordan. Wash in it. You'll be fine. Imagine for a second that you're Naaman. How would you respond to this? You're someone who's used to having all the pomp and circumstance every time you enter the room. Feasts have been thrown in your honor. Kingdoms bow before you when you ride into town. You've dined with kings and queens. You've seen the world. You are the baddest kid on the block. And this lowly prophet from Israel doesn't even have the decency to get off the couch and open the door for you. I would be livid. And Naaman was too. Are you kidding me? Surely this prophet of the Lord would come out and call on his God to heal me. At least say abracadabra and wave your wand, you lazy prophet. But what do you mean by telling me to wash in the Jordan? It's six inches deep and you can't even see the bottom of the river. It's filthy. That's got to be the dirtiest river in all of the lands that I've ever seen. So Naaman storms off in no particular direction. And as he's walking away, his servants come over to him. They're trying to calm him down. Hey, Naaman, this Elisha guy, he really is a prophet. I would do what he says. What can it hurt? You've tried everything else. And you really don't want to make him mad. This could be really bad for your reputation. Some of us have heard that Elisha can do things. Things that we haven't seen in a long time. After all, he did say that it would heal you. So what's a leper to do after he's exhausted all his other options? Go to the river and wash in it. And you know what? It worked. Naaman was cured of his leprosy. It didn't take any magic words. It wasn't an illusion. He was completely transformed. Entirely made whole again. Totally restored to health and the community by the power of the living God. Naaman came to Elisha not quite sure of what he wanted him to do. After all of these years of suffering from this debilitating disease, I'm sure that he really did want to be healed. At the same time, though, he wanted to hear the right words. He wanted to be healed the right way. He thought that the only way that the healing could actually happen is if Elisha met him at the door. Full prophet of God regalia adorned, magic staff in hand, calling on the power of God, lightning in the skies, the sun turning black. Naaman was looking for a miracle that everyone would see. Even though he was coming before the prophet to be healed, he still wanted to be the center of attention. He wanted others to be able to see how important he was. How many of us can resonate with Naaman? How many of us have managed to miss God's power and work because we were waiting to hear the magic words that tell us that a change is taking place? How many of us are looking for a perfectly clear river to heal us when the muddy waters of a Jordan can do it? We like to see a big show. 
We like to hear the right words. We like the ritual of things. It's familiar to us as Christians. When we hear the words that prompt us that God is about to do something amazing, we tune into what is about to happen. But I often wonder how much of God's power I end up missing in my daily life because it doesn't happen in the context of some big ritual that I'm expecting. It doesn't always happen just the way I think that it should. The interesting thing about this story is that despite Naaman thinking himself to be more important than he should, and despite the fact that he disrespected a prophet of God, and despite the fact that he didn't believe that he could be healed by this dirty river, he gave it a chance. And the good news for him and for us is it worked. God didn't need the sky to be full of mystery and wonder. God didn't need Elisha to greet Naaman at the door with a feast fit for a great war general. God didn't even need a clean river to wash this man of his own filth. All God needed was a little muddy water and a broken man with a sliver of belief. Where are we in the story? Some of us have been Naaman in the past. We've gone to the river with doubt in our minds, but we've let God's grace wash over us. We felt God's mercy washing us clean. We know that the mud in the river isn't a reason to question God's ability to heal us. The mud in the river is proof that God has transformed the lives of all those who have gone to the water before us. Some of us have that assurance that God is actively working in our lives. And so some of us are Naaman's servants. We urge others to go down to the river even if they don't yet believe so that they too might know the grace of God that we know. There are others of us who are Naman. We're hurt. Even though we've accomplished a lot in our lives, there's no doubt that we still are broken. And so we come to the door of the one that we've been told can help us. And we don't get the response that we want or the response that we expect. Don't get upset. Keep searching. Look around to those who have come with you to the door. Have them lead you to the water. Give it a try. After all, what else is a leper to do after you've tried everything else? God loves you too. The great thing about God's love is that it's in no short supply. And it's available to anyone who's willing to come and to ask for it. So don't be afraid to do what the prophet says. Go to the river, whether you believe it will do any good or not. Let God wash you clean. Don't limit what God can do by only believing what you can conceive of right now. As you come to receive communion in a few moments, come with an open heart. Come with an open mind. Come forward knowing that despite who you are or what you've done, what achievements you may have accomplished, you are still broken. But also come forward knowing that this is the way that God works miracles. God takes broken people and communes with them. And somewhere in the midst of this, God's love is revealed to you. People are made whole. People are restored. People are completely transformed so that they might go out into the world and be a living testimony to the power of God's love. Amen.